Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and welcome to part two of our uh, talk on the many faces of adrenal pheochromocytoma, what you need to know. Now, what I'll do in this part of the talk, we did a lot of facts in the first part of this uh, talk. And in this part, I'm going to show you a lot of classic pheochromocytomas and what I would call the less than classic pheochromocytomas. So here's a simple case. There's an adrenal lesion. 39 Hounsfield units. It could be a lipid poor adenoma. It could be a number of things. Could be a MET if the patient had a primary tumor. When you give IV contrast at about 60 seconds, you can see the lesion in the right adrenal gland is enhancing. And when you measured it, it was over 130 Hounsfield units. And the rule is an indeterminate adrenal lesion greater than 130 Hounsfield units on multi-detector CT cannot assume to be an adenoma regardless of his washout value. Above 130, and most of the time above 120, and often above 110, but 130 is the easiest number, uh, though many people use 120, uh, washout value is not going to help you because pheos can wash out just like adenomas. The key thing is pheos typically enhance to between 70 and 90, Sometimes they had 100, every once in a while 110, but they're not going up to this 130 or plus number. In this article by Wu, to evaluate the proportion of pheos meeting the criteria for adenoma, that means they washed out, uh, and the, when they looked at their results, there was a non-negligible proportion of pheos meeting the criteria for adenomas on adrenal washout. So key points from their article, non-negligible proportion of pheos can be mistaken for adenomas. Adrenal washout CT showed good sensitivity but relatively low specificity. And findings other than washout percentage should be used when diagnosing pheos. And of course, that might be clinical history, hypertension. Uh, but again, we're saying now that 70% of pheos are incidental findings, but I think it's the relative intensity of enhancement that becomes critical. And this all goes back and forth to this article by Leung. I started with this article in the first talk, uh, this quote, and I'll finish this talk later on in a few moments with this quote again, because pheos are great mimickers of other adrenal lesions. Now, for some of the basic CT findings, calcification is about 10% of pheos. Remember, you can have dystrophic calcifications in adrenal cortical carcinoma, you can see punctate calcifications in adrenal myelolipomas. You can see calcification in neuroblastoma. So calcification is not that uncommon. We also talk about rim-like calcifications. You can have a ring-like calcification, and that's typically with old adrenal uh, hematomas. Now, we said pheos are very vascular, uh, but, and again, the washout value is just not helpful. In terms of defining which pheos are malignant, that's a tough call. Sometimes you can see, and I'll show you one good example of infiltration around the gland, which makes it easier. But most of the time, it's the necessity of seeing METs, whether it's to the liver or to bone or lung, that allow you to make the diagnosis. Now, one of the things we've learned is a case like this, incidental one centimeter lesion right adrenal. Now, the problem is it doesn't measure minus 10 to 10, so it's not an adenoma definitively based on the non-contrast scans. But just say, look, it's such a small thing, why would you worry? But it's 45 Hounsfield units, and then you give IV contrast, and look how bright the lesion enhances 
all the way to 196. That's not an adenoma. You know the lesion's gonna wash out quickly. That's a pheochromocytoma. You can see it again here, very nicely shown in the coronal views, again, coming off that lateral limb of the right adrenal gland. Here it is again, look at the brightness, it's brighter than the kidneys. And as you look at the excretory phase, you can see how quickly it washes out. One of the things to think about, when we see small pheos, several things happen. One, pheos under 2CM often are not hyperfunctioning, that's one factor. And also patients who have syndromes like von Hippel-Lindau, they're more likely to have small pheochromocytomas. The average pheo you typically see surely in a patient who's symptomatic is probably in the three to five sonometer range. And you can see in this patient, very similar to the case before, there's a very vascular lesion measuring over 200 Hounsfield units in the patient's left adrenal. It basically is enhancing almost to the level of the patient's splenic artery. Very nicely shown there on the axial and coronal. And even when it washes out, it washes out to 120 Hounsfield units from about you know, the high 200. So it's still pretty, pretty high. Now, other examples, left adrenal mass, it's solid. The mean is about 29 Hounsfield units. It's interesting when you give contrast, it's somewhat cystic with some peripheral puddling around the edge. And I have to admit, if you thought about this in the liver, you might think about this as a hemangioma because there's peripheral puddling. There's some wall thickening superior medially, which is concerning to me. And then you say to yourself, what could this be? It really doesn't look like a carcinoma, but it doesn't look like an adenoma. We do have certain benign lesions like hemangioma, could be, they're very rare. It doesn't look like a myelolipoma. Well, what is this? You can see the washout. You can see some increased puddling in the lesion. There's this vascularity, but there's a large cystic component. And you look at it again, it has a pseudocapsule to it. What could this be? Well, this was a pheochromocytoma, a cystic pheochromocytoma. Now, one of the things we recognize is that pheos can be cystic. Often they'll have central areas of low density, that's more like necrosis, but here the entire lesion was cystic with some rim-like enhancement. And cystic appearance was present in up to 55% of pheos in this one series by Corwin. Cystic appearance was a significant predictor of tumor type, even controlling for tumor size. So cystic pheos. Another example, look at this large left adrenal lesion. You might be thinking right away of a primary adrenal cortical carcinoma. You could think of other adrenal lesions, perhaps they bled because there is a fluid fluid level in this lesion. You could see it on multiple views, large predominantly cystic lesion. Here it is in the coronal view. Very nicely shown again. And here's on the sagittal view. This was a pheochromocytoma. Another example, look at this large lesion. Again, from a size perspective, the things I'm thinking about a carcinoma, I'm also thinking about a lesion that bled into itself and that's why it's cystic. This was a cystic pheo. So I'm showing you very large pheos, but I'm showing you also very cystic pheochromocytomas. We typically think of pheos as solid tumors, but I want you to think of it as a possible cystic tumor as well. Now, if you ask me and you say, okay, you've shown me some atypical appearances, 
What's more classic? Well, here's a good example. Right adrenal lesion, on contrast, it's solid, looks like the liver or kidney. Look at its vascularity on the patient's 60-second image. Beautiful example of a classic theochromocytoma. And this lesion washes out very quickly. Again, very classic. Another example, a left-sided lesion, solid mass. Here it's enhancing, but there's central areas of decreased attenuation. You surely would have to think about primary adrenal cortical carcinoma. You're not thinking of adenoma, but you got to think about pheo. Good example of where the central portion of the lesion is cystic and the periphery is vascular. Here's that same appearance when you look at pheochromocytoma on cinematic rendering. Again, another case, hypervascular left adrenal lesion, some areas of central necrosis. So I think it's important to realize as pheos get larger, they will maintain often their vascularity, but can have areas of cystic necrosis. And the vascularity, although it decreases, can often maintain itself as you go through the various phases. Another example, large right adrenal lesion, hypervascular, best bet, pheochromocytoma. Very much looking like the last case. So if I see a lesion like this, hypervascular central cystic component, I'm thinking about pheochromocytoma. And that works out very, very nicely. Contralateral lesion, compared to the last case, in the left adrenal, again, non-contrast, it's solid, hypervascular, pheochromocytoma. What else could this be? I guess if the patient had renal cell carcinoma and you had a met to the adrenal from renal cell, that's a possibility. But this was a pheochromocytoma, and here it is very nicely washing out. Okay, very, very simple diagnosis. Now, when you think about pheochromocytomas then, we think about the classic appearance here. We think about the large lesions with central necrosis. We think about the very large cystic lesions. And we think about the very small, truly hypervascular, homogeneous type lesions. Another example, look at the right adrenal, five centimeter or so lesion. Here you can see there's some vascularity. But I show you this case to make the point that this is where pheos often become difficult. It's vascular, but not all that vascular, but it is enhancing above 130. So again, the same principle, there's a range of enhancement patterns in pheochromocytoma, and you have to be aware of that as you read your cases. Another example, left adrenal pheochromocytoma, nicely shown. Again, it's coming off the gland, but there it is, vascular, well-defined, fairly homogeneous, though there is some necrosis when you look at the patient's images with cinematic rendering. And we are looking carefully at cinematic rendering if that can be helpful as a way of predicting adrenal pathology. Now, one of the things about pheos we mentioned that 90% are sporadic, but 10% are familial. Von Hebelindau, von Recklenhausen's disease, tuberous sclerosis, Sturgey-Weber, and Carney syndrome are all possibilities, or the MEN syndromes, MEN2A and 2B. An MEN2 bilateral adrenal medullary hyperplasia is almost always present and precedes pheos 
which develop in up to 30 to 50% of patients. Pheos are often multicentric and bilateral in up to 50 to 80% of cases with long-term follow-up. Pheos are associated with neuroectodermal disorders, our most common in von Hippel-Lindau's disease, 25% of patients. So one of the things to think about when you have bilateral pheos, you always have to think about the possibility of a syndrome. And also when you see pheos in younger patients, you need to consider the possibility of syndromes. And that becomes very, very important. Now, in terms of size, often the pheos that occur in patients with syndromes are a bit smaller. Remember, I showed you examples of large pheochromocytomas. This article talks about lesions over five centimeters, and pheochromocytomas made up about 18% of those cases. Now, CT features had obvious specificity for the diagnosis of benign and malignant tumors. And again, 90% of pheos are going to be benign, but you want to be very careful, particularly in patients who do have one of these syndromes. So let's look at some examples. This is a patient with bilateral pheos, had neurofibromatosis. What I like showing about this case is the lesion on the right side is solid, the lesion on the left side is cystic. Good example how pheos in the same patient could have different CT appearances. And again, cystic lesion on the left with some wall thickening. Here it is on the coronal view, showing you the various appearance of pheos. So even in the syndromes, lesions can be cystic. Here's a patient with von Hippel-Lindau, has a pheo, one centimeter right adrenal, and has a vascular lesion in the head of the pancreas. These patients often get neuroendocrine tumors in the pancreas. Nice example of two findings. Obviously, when you're looking at patients with syndromes, you look at the pancreas, you look at the adrenal, you look at the kidneys, because multiple organ involvement can be seen, and you can see how subtle it is. These lesions are seen because this is arterial face imaging. If you didn't have arterial face imaging, you might have missed both the adrenal and the pancreas lesion. Here's a patient with von Hippel-Lindau with bilateral pheochromocytomas and bilateral renal cell carcinomas, but the patient's only age 22. So things like von Hippel-Lindau are the entities that give you renal cell cancer at an early age, also, again, pheochromocytomas. Here's another patient with von Hippel-Lindau who's 18, has a lesion. You can see the left adrenal, I measured at 45, but there's also a right adrenal lesion, which you see very nicely on the coronal views. Both of them are vascular, and you can see the right adrenal enhances to 218, the left to 313. Classic, classic pheochromocytomas. Again, you can see we talk about over 130, but a good example, all the way to 313 Hounsfield units. I think in my mind, that's the highest I've ever measured. But again, beautiful example of bilateral pheochromocytomas, show nicely with volume rendering, very nicely defined, and you can see it here as well. And here's that same patient, again, showing you how quickly the lesions wash out from 313 to 84. Again, you're over 120, you're going to be a pheochromocytoma. Cinematic rendering, again, showing the texture of the lesions. And we are working hard trying to figure out, can we learn more about pheos from looking at their textural map? And of course, this is a good example of showing you bilateral adrenal lesions on excretory phase imaging. 
If you only had excretory phase imaging, there's no way you could have diagnosed the pheochromocytoma. Now, I mentioned pheos at times can look malignant. Here's a good example is an infiltrating mass in the right adrenal gland. I probably would have considered lymphoma, the way it infiltrates the peri and pararenal space of the right kidney, but this was a pheochromocytoma. A very unusual appearance. Again, lymphoma to me image on the right is a much better diagnosis. This ended up being a pheochromocytoma. When you see the infiltration around the gland, you see some vascularity, uh, then you're gonna say this is highly likely a malignant pheo. You can see there's no easy way of removing this lesion. Now, one thing you need to consider, of course, with pheos, just like with primary adrenal cortical carcinomas and several other lesions, including adenomas, pheos can spontaneously bleed. Now, if this was simply a solid mass that bled, you could expect to see all of the changes around the adrenal gland. So it's not definitive that soft tissue around the gland means there's infiltration because maybe the patient bled. Very impressive example. Look at the neovascularity, no doubt about it. Now here's one more example. When you have bleeding into an adrenal gland, it's difficult. Bleeds can be seen occasionally in adenomas, pheochromocytomas, and primary adrenal cortical carcinomas, as well as metastasis. It's hard to tell how large the tumor is because the bleed really expands everything. This was eventually resected, and this was a pheochromocytoma, which had bled. So bleeding can make it very difficult to reach the right diagnosis. The last thing I'll comment on, and I'll talk about this in more detail in a different talk, is extradrenal paragangliomas. These are pheos outside the adrenal, homogeneous or heterogeneous enhancement. They range from a sonometer to over 20 sonometers. Classic locations include the carotid body, jugular foramen, AP window, posterior metastinum, the periodic region near the organ of zircocondyl, and the pelvis, including the bladder. Here's a beautiful example of a hypervascular lesion sitting by the organ of zircocondyl, which is near the aortic bifurcation, and a patient was hypertensive. This is a classic pheochromocytoma. Here's another one, same location. You could think about lymphoma, other retroperitoneal masses, but the vascularity of the lesion, the location, and often the clinical history will allow you to make a very, very specific diagnosis. Finally, I'll make the point when you're evaluating patients for a suspected pheo and the adrenals look normal, make sure you scan through the pelvis on arterial phase imaging. There are many locations, obviously paragangliomas, but they can even be in the bladder. In most cases, I would say there's a bladder cancer, but this bladder mass in a patient who is hypertensive, who when the patient urinated would get symptoms of hypertension and in fact fainted a few times, this was a bladder pheochromocytoma. So remember, you need to scan through the pelvis to make certain you don't have a ectopic pheochromocytoma. So I've now given you two talks covering much about pheochromocytoma. I've talked about its classic appearances and its unusual appearances. I've talked about the 90% of the lesions that are uh, incidental or not so much incidental as just um, random in occurrence and the 10% that are part of syndromes. We've spoken about some of the challenges in diagnosis. We've spoken about the importance of washout and the challenges with washout of pheochromocytomas. Or I hope this helps you. And I thank you very much for your attention. Have a great day.
If you like this video, make sure to subscribe to the CTSS YouTube channel. You can also visit us at ctss.com for even more videos, plus quizzes, pearls, protocols, and oh so much more. We're also in the App Store and have well over a dozen apps for iPhone and iPad, all completely free. Thanks for watching.